Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Hi everyone, welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. Uh, you just heard Sally Goldner with her show Out of the Pan, and she's on every Sunday before us, which is from 12 to 1, uh, discussing pansexual issues and all things pan and queer related um, here on 3CR, so make sure you check her out before um, our show each week. And this week, before we get going any further, I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting and working on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and to pay respects to Elders past and present. And um, I'm joined today by my co-host, of course, Devita. Hi. Hello, everybody. Um, I'd also like to personally acknowledge that we're broadcasting from the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people. And I'd also like to use this moment to highlight the work done by the Wangang and Jagalingu traditional custodians in Queensland. Um, they continue to resist the Carmichael coal mine by Adani. Mm. And this coal mine destroys their ancestral lands. It will drain the groundwater and it will add to the climate crisis we are already facing. So the Wangang and Jagalingu traditional custodians have written to the Minister for the Environment, Megan Scanlon, to call for an immediate stop on the, uh, to the construction of the coal mine. Yeah. And they ask for help to strengthen their demands. You can do so by emailing Minister Scanlon and CCing them, the group, um, in that email. And we'll put out a link in the show description. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. For everyone to jump on that if they can. Yeah. For today's show, we are joined by a special guest, Vanessa Letico. Vanessa has published a children's book with a vegan message, Lucas Adventures from Table to Farm. She also conducts research as a PhD candidate in criminology on cows as victims in the dairy industry. Vanessa, thank you for being here and welcome to Freedom of Species. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we love having you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're doing amazing work for the animal advocacy movement. And um, before we talk about your work, can you share with us the story about how you started on the vegan journey or animal advocacy? Oh, goodness. I mean, that is a long story, but to cut it short, like um, I've been vegan for about six years now. Um, and when I first met my partner, I was a hardcore omnivore, loved meat and everything. Um, I come from like an Italian background. So like meat, cheese, everything was just I don't know, part of the culture and that was how I was raised. Anyway, I yeah, met it's not, my... It's not really yeah. a, a vegan-friendly sort of culture, is it? I, not it at is, surface level anyway. Exactly, yeah. It is now to me, but, um, you know, back then it, it definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> but I met my partner and he was vegetarian at the time and I was considering whether or not you know we should be dating or um I was like oh is this is this guy any good I'm not sure and then he <laughs> he he drops the bomb that he's vegetarian and at the time <laughs> I was like oh, you know I don't know if this is gonna work being veggie is so <laughs> extremist it's like how are we going to go on a date what's he going to order do we have to go to vegetarian only restaurants really <laughs> to, so all this was going through your mind yeah to me it was like a wow. almost like a deal breaker um Whoa. yeah but 
you know, he wooed me and I decided, okay, whatever, I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. And um, we were, he never was pushy about like vegetarianism or uh, anything like that. He kind of just like sowed the first seed. Um, and anyway, I love my dog. Uh, her name is Snow. Um, I love her like I would a sister, right? I just consider her like my sister. She's just in a different body, you know, than my <laughs> other sister. So I've got two sisters. I've got the human one and I've got the canine one. Um, but I love them equally. And I remember like after, this is after a couple months of dating my then vegetarian boyfriend, that was so problematic. <laughs> um, we were having like Sunday um, brunch where I was like eating like a bacon. And I remember Snow, which is my dog, she was like um, trying to like um, ask for a piece of bacon from me. And I remember looking at her into her eyes and then looking at this bacon piece. And I was like, wow, like it's kind of weird that, you know, I love one so much that I consider her to be like a sister and I'm eating, yeah. I'm eating another, you know, that mm. I just don't know. I just don't know, you know. It, yeah. So after mm. that, I just, and, yeah. And so you remember that point, like that, that actual moment of having that sort of thought in your mind, looking at a piece of dead animal flesh and looking at your, you know, beloved animal and, <laughs> and like having that moment. Yeah, I remember that so clearly and I looked into her eyes and then I thought about what the eyes of this dead pig would have looked like. Um, wow. And then I started like researching, you know, into it and I realised that, you know, the dairy and egg industry is not far from the meat industry and I kind of went like, almost like, excuse the pun, but cold turkey overnight, you know. Yeah, I went from wow. eating meat one day to the very next day completely vegan. And my family wow. was like, what the, wow. you know, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, and was your partner like, sorry, but vegan, that's a deal breaker for me? Or, no, no, or he, he, transitioned, <laughs> um, he transitioned with me. He was waiting cool. for me to kind of make that step and... Um, so yeah, we we've been vegan for six years ever since, and um, wow. it's it's been the best. Now you know you don't even think about it when you eat; like you just think it's normal mm. food. I think a lot of people yeah. think that veganism is not normal, and we have to like eat weird things. But actually, yeah. like once you're in it, like apples and carrots <laughs> and really yeah. weird things like that that are vegan. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But um, when you think about it, you've been eating vegan foods your whole life. Um, mm. It's just uh, about trying to come up with new recipes and having fun with it. And then it becomes, yeah. Yeah. you know, your normal. Did you also sort of rediscover your um, your heritage, your cultural heritage through foods? Because you sort of had to negotiate a whole new cultural yeah. food as well. Yeah. How did that go? Well, back then I was only um, 19. So until then, my mum had been cooking for me, you know, my whole life. And basically when I decided to go vegan, you know, mum and dad thought it was just going to be a, you know, one month <laughs> little yeah. phase. Right. And, and they kind of uh, said, well, if you're going to do this, you need to cook on your own. We're not going to cook for you. You know, we don't know how to cook vegan. Um, so I had to basically, you know, research and, and look up recipes and learn to cook. Basically, that's how I started to learn to cook because I was kind yeah. of forced into having to cook for myself. Otherwise, I'd have to eat whatever my family was eating. Can I, can I ask you, do you think they did that in a way to sort of discourage you or was it purely just, uh, oh, if you're going to do it, it should be you, we're not going to do it for you? Uh, I 100% they did it to <laughs> try and discourage me yeah, from it. Yeah, wow. Yeah, they, they did not like it at all. They, at the time, um, there was like a, a birthday party, a family birthday party that was coming up and they were 
like, oh, you know, what a, what's our family going to think of you? You know, uh, how are we going to tell them that, you know, you're, you're vegan and you've got this requirement and it's just too complicated, Vanessa, like you've got to, you know, figure it out. And so they, they kind of, yeah, definitely. I think you're right. They did it to try and discourage me, but I'm very headstrong. So yeah, yeah here I am <laughs> six yeah. years later. That's a great characteristic. Very headstrong. Yeah. 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 And also one thing that I found really interesting is that you're um, fluent in sign language. Not, not, exa not exactly fluent, but trying to get there. Definitely yeah, okay. more at the beginner level. Um, yeah. yeah, sign language is very, uh, I've had an interest in sign language um, for a long time. Um, just like there is like spoken languages, there's many different sign languages, um, which yeah. I didn't know before I had an interest in it. Like um, there's in Australia, we use Australian sign language um, or also known as Auslan. Um, in mm. America, they use ASL, which is American Sign Language. In mm. yeah. um, England, they use British Sign Language. In France, they use um, French Sign Language. So there's all these different languages and all of them are completely different. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's very cool. Yeah. What was it that initially got you interested in it? such a good question I don't know I think um what made me start thinking about it is my partner he's got like a ruptured eardrum and I and mm. he's kind of hard of hearing sometimes that way and I thought if it ever got worse or anything like maybe I'd be able to if I equip myself with the skills of Auslan and I'm able to communicate through sign maybe that will um that'll be like normal and natural in the future if that yeah. is to happen. Um, otherwise, I was thinking because I teach at university level, I just wanted to, you know, be able to just say something really basic like, hi, my name is Vanessa in Auslan, just, just in case I ever have the pleasure of having like a deaf or hard of hearing student in my class. Um, because I think it makes such such a difference if you can even just introduce yourself in the Auslan, I think, and and even if it even if you don't know any and any other sign, but hi, my name's Vanessa. How are you? Nice to meet you. Um, I think it's a really good way to help them feel included. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really keen yeah. on that, and. Um, uh, I, I read more about like deaf culture and for them, they, they communicate just in a different language, right? And that language happens to be sign language. So I think that's, uh, it's, it's just a beautiful culture, I think. And, um, yeah. you know, if uh, I, I just find uh, learning it actually really quite fun and interesting. So if you, if you've ever got, you know, some time on your hands, even just learning the Auslan alphabet or learning how to sign your name, um, it's really good, especially if you're working in like emergency services because you never know when you'll have that impact on someone. Yeah. Well, it's also having more and more of a use, um, well, I think for a good reason, in um, advocacy spaces. Um, you're seeing people have interpreters signing um, guest speakers at events or conferences or, you know, um, even just press releases and, or press conferences. Like it's, it's becoming more and more normal these days to see, um, which I think is fantastic for inclusivity reasons and, and just to remove the barriers that do affect a lot of people um, because of their different, um, yeah, either different language or, or whatever um, is the way that they prefer to, to phrase it. Yeah, 100% uh, definitely being seen as more normal. Um, it's just the matter of making sure that it's not, you know, performative, um, trying to seem like you're being inclusive when you haven't really thought about it too much. For instance, very recently on Channel 7, 
news, um, they had, they were like broadcasting, I think it was Dan Andrews, um, you know, his daily updates on COVID. And they mm. had like the, they had the cam, you know, the camera on Dan Andrews. Um, and then they decided to put a very small little box that had the mm. um, Auslan interpreter. And, you know, the deaf, the, the deaf community was saying, look, like, it's awesome that you've got it there, but it the the frame is so small we can't even make out what the signs are, you know. Yeah. So it's very you just popped it there to kind of tick a box. It's important yeah. for you to understand how um, how it's being used in practice, you know, because we can't mm. see the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Um, but they should. Yeah, they should. I think it's uh, really important to raise awareness to these issues. Yeah. yeah. And there's little things like if, if you don't want to learn sign language or you don't have time to learn, you know, sign language, there's little things you can do that are so easy to just help um, with accessibility. For instance, with Instagram, they've just released a new feature where um, you can click, like if you're making a story, you can click the closed caption. Um, there's a feature where you can click closed caption and it's as simple as pressing a button. And what that does is um, Instagram will automatically generate as best as it can um, what the words that you're making out to provide a closed caption um, yeah. for so that deaf and hard of hearing people can read what you're saying. Otherwise, you can imagine it, from their perspective, they're just watching someone's lips move and they can't, you know, yeah, yeah, figure out what you're saying. So little things like that is like amazing uh, steps forward. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's great, yeah. Is it time for a song? Shall we do? Yeah, we'll be, um, yeah, let's go for a song and then we can get into your... Um, your children's book we'd love I, to hear about that i yeah. love that okay well <laughs> the song that i've chosen is um levitating by dua lipa so i'm choosing that one because it's just got a good vibe to it gets mm. you in the positive mindset um i love it and also who doesn't like dua lipa Blast off, and I'm feeling so electric, that's my awesome. 
Everybody Australia does not realise that people with disabilities across the board are being discriminated against. Then the government to demand that we go out and get a job without removing the disincentives like the lack of access to transport and community infrastructure, without providing accessible buildings that can provide barrier-free employment. I'm not getting a fair go and I don't like it and I'm saying so. You're listening to 3CR, 8.55 on the AM dial. The Rainbow Door is a free, culturally safe, specialist helpline for all LGBTIQA Victorians. The helpline provides information, support and referral from experienced peer workers on issues including mental health, family violence, relationships, suicide prevention and sexual assault. For information, support and referral, call the Rainbow Door on 1-800-729-367. That's 1-800-729-367, 10am to 6pm every day. Switchboard is a 3CR supporter. Hello listeners, welcome back to Freedom of Species. You just heard Dua Lipa with Levitating and you're here with Trevor and I and Vanessa our special guest today to talk about her children's book, Lucas Adventures from Table to Farm. Uh, Vanessa, could you tell us a bit about um, what made you, yeah, what made you write a children's book with a vegan message? What made me write it? Um, I think basically what I did was I, I, I mean, I'm very young at the moment, but I was, I was just, thinking about what what books were currently available for children with kind of a vegan vegetarian or like animal centric um uh, message and um I had a look online specifically for like vegan children's books and while like there's there there definitely are some um they the ones that are available kind of get have have had mixed reviews in that some some people say they're wonderful they're amazing books and others say that yes it's a good book but um it's not exactly age appropriate um Mm, and there is one book i'm thinking of i won't say the name of it but there is a image that lots of people were angry about um, because it was talking about hunting and it had like a, it was targeted for children aged below five and it had like this illustration of a wolf kind of hanging and half its skin was like mm. off its body to show that, you know, we use it for fur or I don't know what the what the whole message mm. was. But lots of parents were angry to find this in the book because they said, it was very, it was too confronting, especially when they were reading it to yeah. like their, you know, two or three year old. So I kind of wanted to make a book that had like a vegan slash vegetarian message that wasn't so um, bloody or gory. I wanted something very gentle, especially for um, children aged, you know, between two and five-ish. Mm. Um, so, and, and, and the trouble was trying to find the words to 
tell the accurate story of, you know, where meat comes from um, in very plain and gentle words that really didn't go into the specifics of mm. of how yeah. it's how it's done it was very that's, tricky yeah. yeah that's such a that's such a great effort and <laughs> um to to give our listeners a bit of an idea would you be able to read us a bit from your from how you yeah, I, how you've done that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i can um basically the whole premise of the book was to um because i i read some statistics that said um uh, I've got some here, like um, they, oh, Medibank did like a massive survey back in 2016 on Australian children um, and they did it on primary aged children, so from years prep to year six, and they found out of their massive survey, one in five primary school children couldn't say where fresh food actually originated from lots of them would give the answer of oh um it comes from the fridge or it comes from the supermarket but they didn't actually make the link of where it actually originated from mm -hmm. um that same survey found that one in four didn't know butter actually came from cow's milk yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah and so basically uh i wanted to uh, show that uh, and and teach that you know food comes from not the supermarket or the fridge it comes from you know the farm and, and what happens on the farm so um there is a verse I'll I'll share and it's about um some green peas um and it's about Luca who's the protagonist uh finding out that peas actually um come from pea pods so um I'll, I'll read you a little bit <laughs> and it's all versed so nan says look here is where your peas can be found these don't look like peas peas are round nan splits the pea pod in half five peas appear and we both have a laugh uh, and that's basically where, yeah, he sees that, oh, um, peas actually don't come already round. They actually come from a pea pod. Um, and similarly, um, in another section where Luca, um, Luca basically finds out where potatoes come from, um, he basically says, like Nan is pointing to the ground and Luca says, um, confused, I said, we get potatoes from the stores. Mum giggles and says, this is why we brought you outdoors. Potatoes grow under the ground with the worms and roots. I'll show you where the rest of your dinner can be found. Go get your boots. And it's like where <laughs> uh, there's like lots of little wormies and it shows that the potatoes are growing underground. Um, mm. Yeah. And then it gets to the section where Luca finally meets um, a pig and then takes him to meet this pig. And, he, and there's this amazing image by... Um, uh, Deandra Juan, who's like the illustrator, and it basically mm. shows the pig and Sam and Luca's beloved dog Sam, and they're kind mm. of um, sitting next to one another, and they look basically identical. The only difference is, uh. of of course, one you know, your we eat as ham, and the other one we love as a pet, mm. and um, and the verse is. Nan points to the pig and says, this is your ham. I looked into her eyes and strangely saw Sam, who's the dog. Um, Does it hurt her? I asked in fear. Nan responds, she's an animal. But the answer was clear. She's kind of very gently kind of saying mm. that ham comes from this pig that um, reminds Luca of Sam. And then... Uh, this is kind of the point where he decides not to eat animals again. And he says, I love animals and don't want them to hurt. 
I won't eat ham again is what I blurt. I'll eat all the foods without a face or heart for that is exactly how we play our compassionate part. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's so it's all versed and it's all like very yeah. gentle and yeah. Um, yeah, but I just um, thought that's I'd, really great. I'd fill the gap and try and make something a little bit more gentle and hopefully, you know, parents will feel comfortable and confident in reading that to their child without feeling like it's going to scar them, um, even mm-hmm. though, you know, there is an ugly truth to it all, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a fantastic balance you struck there, yeah. And, I tried. And how, it, <laughs> and how has the book been received? Have you received any any feedback or comments? Yeah, yeah. People have said um, people have said it's um it's very gentle and they like um the illustrations. Um I haven't sold like an exorbitant amount of copies. Um I told myself though, if it even just sold one one copy, I'd be happy. And it's mm. definitely sold, you know, about a uh, hundred. So I'm pretty uh stoked. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, stoked about that, that it's circulating. Um, but, uh, the, the whole point was that, you know, I would be able to have a a book that maybe in the future, when I have my own, um, child, I'd be confident to read this to them. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, I really like the rhyming, the verses in your in your style. And was that was that always your intention to write in verses? Yes, yeah. I wanted it to be fun, and I've always loved trying to like trying to do poetry. So this is like my my take on it, and um, I feel like it makes it um, again less of a um, of a harsh topic and more of a like. Um, accessible and and fun way to learn about where food really does come from. Yeah. I wanted to ask, um, has any of the feedback been negative? Like has anyone said anything along the lines of, you know, you shouldn't be putting this in a children's book or something? Or So far, know, so far, no. So far, awesome. no. So I'm lucky. Yeah. But maybe that's because it hasn't, um, you know, gotten to as many people as I would have liked. But maybe in the future it might get bad feedback but so far so good it is I do mention that it is tailored to um I say it's perfect for children who are animal lovers vegan vegetarian or vegan vegetarian curious so like I make it very clear what the message is so that Mm. parents don't buy it and you know think that it's something that it's not I wanted to be very upfront about kind of what it was about yeah I was actually thinking um, it could be really good for a lot of parents who I think there's a lot of parents that are probably worried about how to raise children if they as parents are vegan and there's there's a bit of a debate with different vegans or depending on what their thoughts are is should they raise their kids as vegan or should they raise their kids um, as non-vegans and let them choose later on and all the sort of middle grey areas in between and along with that is also, well, how much do you tell them at what age um, yeah. about different issues or about these things? And and it, it can be a really tricky, I guess, conversation or even like topics to bring up because you don't want to scare children. You don't want to, you know, get them to all of a sudden hate other people who aren't vegan or if, if they are, you know, do you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so many parts to it that I think um, – can scare a few parents or make them a bit anxious and um it seems like this book might be a really good way for for parents who weren't sure how to approach that conversation as like a starting point you know what I mean yeah I totally get what you're saying Trevor and um I think a lot of parents are scared to in a way scared to bring up their children vegan um especially when people are saying oh you know you shouldn't force your beliefs on your children they should have the right to choose but I guess the the, my counter argument to that would be well when I was a child I didn't 
I I didn't get a choice. My only, I, I was in a way forced to consume meat, dairy, eggs, you know, anything. Um, I wasn't kind of informed about any of, you know, what truly yeah. happens. And in a way, you know, who is forcing who in that case, yeah. you know, yeah. in my it's opinion. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, it's sort of making, giving off the belief that a child chooses from the early start, even though all of society already forces beliefs on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of neglects the whole systemic um, belief force yeah. that we have. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. Should we do another song? Uh, is it time for another song? Yeah. I think so. It's time for another song. <laughs> Vanessa, what's the what's the second song you'd like okay. to Okay, you're going to hear Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo, just because everyone's obsessed with her at the moment. And it's a good song if um, you're going for a breakup and if you're in a stable relationship like I am, um, you can just for two minutes pretend you're going through heartbreak and sing your heart out. So this is good <laughs> for you by Olivia Rodrigo. What good for you? I guess you moved on really easily. You found a new girl and it only took a couple weeks. Remember when you said that you wanted to give me the world? That you've been working on yourself I guess the therapist I found for you She really helped Now you can be a better man For your brand new girl when I found a Food Not Bombs fly on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favorite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving 
everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is the 3CR supporter. In DigiTube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming. Download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You're listening to Freedom of Species. Before the break, we heard Olivia Rodrigo with Good For You. And we are joined with Vanessa today, speaking about um, her advocacy and her work um, trying to improve things for animals. Yeah. So the just as a quick update to our listeners, Vanessa, where can people find your book, Lucas Adventures from uh, Table to Farm? You can totally um, have a look on Amazon. Um, otherwise, if you've got a Dimix near you, you can order through them um, or Booktopia. Mm, okay. So anyway, yeah. really, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll put the links on the on the podcast description for listeners later. Yeah, yeah, and then um, a big part of your work, Vanessa, is also your PhD on um, criminology and animals as cows as victims in the dairy industry. Um, yeah, could you? I'm really keen to hear what what is the status of research on animals in in criminal law. Yeah. So in criminology, whenever we speak about animals, we normally will, um, they're they're really only referred to when we're talking about like their ability to help rehabilitate prisoners. So we've all heard about like prison dog programs where they'll get dogs in and they'll link them up with a prisoner who often is like displaying good behavior and the whole premise is that through training that dog that prisoner helps rehab um reform and rehabilitate and be ready to reintegrate back into society after their um prison sentence so they're normally brought up for that reason um Another reason that they're normally brought up is um, when we're talking about serial killers and their pasts. Um, so we, we, we've all heard about how um, animal abuse and um, inflicting harm on animals when serial killers are younger is normally like a predictor of their future, oh, yes. you know, uh, sociopathic tend- tendencies. Um, so these are the the two things that are normally brought up um, when we're you know speaking about animals in criminology. Um, unfortunately, it's always about dogs or cats. Um, that's really the main discourse around animals in criminology, um, mm. which does make sense in a speciesist society that we are in. We love our dogs and we love our cats and we often fail to attend to um, other animals such as cows. (laughs) Cows are very important in my heart and it was very important to bring them up in criminology. Um, Number one, because they're voiceless, they're voiceless victims and as you know, someone who is privileged to have a voice and you need to remember if you do have a voice, you have a privilege. Um, And if you understand their suffering, you have a responsibility and moral obligation to speak on their behalf. It's kind of like, you know, with children, if you know, you know, they're being abused, um, oftentimes children are voiceless or when they do have voices, they don't know exactly how to use it you've got a responsibility to speak on their behalf and advocate for them. Mm. So that's kind of why I chose cows as like a, a um, as like my, my central topic for my PhD um, yeah. because they're voiceless and because of speciesism, um, we don't really talk about them at all. 
And especially in the dairy industry, it's so intrinsically linked to the um, meat industry um, that uh, I thought they would be perfect to talk about, um, especially because of the harms that they go through. Yeah. And when you say cows are important in your heart, have you had a particular instance? Have you had a particular encounter with a cow or? Honestly, the only um, interaction I've had is uh, at Edgar's Mission Animal Sanctuary where I met, Mm. I think her Mm. name's Claridine. Maybe I might be wrong, but um, yeah, she was a beautiful dairy cow and she's still here. She's still alive, but um, uh, that's kind of my only interaction with them apart from seeing Dominion, which I'm sure many vegans and vegetarians i've seen dominion and um just watching what happens to them uh that that's why they're close to my heart as well as you know i'm a proud feminist so i really believe in equality between you know men and women and i think we can extend that to um to animals as well with the dairy industry the dairy industry is really non-feminist at its very core. Um, I guess both genders are harmed in the dairy industry. So we've got, of course, the, in in order to produce dairy, um, the female cows need to be artificially inseminated. Um, And, you know, then there's the whole idea of, you know, well, can cows, consent to that insemination Um, my view is that they cannot Um, but once they give birth then you know their offspring is either female or male and if they're female they normally will grow up to be just like mum and become a dairy cow and if they're male they normally get tossed aside and um, killed pretty you know within a couple of weeks and that becomes veal that we see at supermarkets and no one really thinks about. So if we're talking about, you know, gender equality, um, I guess it's debatable, like which one's worse? Is it worse being killed at six weeks or is it worth, or is it worse to have your suffering prolonged for five years, you know, being constantly inseminated, being pregnant, then having your offspring taken away from you and doing that all over again and then eventually killed for, you know, hamburger meat? Or is it better to be killed at the six-week mark and not have suffered for five years? That's debatable. But in my eyes, you know, as a feminist, I see massive problems with the whole industry for both men and women or or, uh, males and females. Yeah. Yeah, and you mm. and you make use of uh, a feminist core literature, namely The Handmaid's Tale. Um, could you could you write a bit about how you yeah. combine that with your PhD? Yeah, have you have you seen The Handmaid's Tale or read it? I've I've seen the series. I've I read the book. Yes. And, um, yeah. What about you, Trevor? I haven't. No. Oh, um, you have to. Still on my to-watch list. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think it's free at the moment on SBS On Demand. Mm, you can watch okay. The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Um, but it is amazing. So it's basically set in a dystopian future where our climate crisis has become so hor- so horrendous that it's they don't know what, but essentially the um, fertility of females um, is really being hindered. And there's only a certain number of females that are able to um, conceive. And basically what they do is they round up all the females that are able to conceive um, and forcibly um, inseminate them um, in order like to keep the human race going um, despite Mm. what they want. And then once they are impregnated, um, they basically um, 
you know, take the baby to term. And then once they're ready to deliver, they deliver and their baby is pretty much instantly taken away from them to another family. And there's so many parallels you can draw between the experiences of the handmaids um, or, or the fertile women in this story and what actually goes on in the dairy industry because yeah. uh, it, the, it, it's just um, it's so similar. Um, both are being forcibly impregnated and then once they do give birth, um, their child is taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And the, the story talks about the grief and the loss um, that is experienced by the handmaiden once um, the baby is taken away versus with cows, you can't, you can't hear the story because they're, the cows are voiceless. Um, when I say voiceless, it's interesting. Like, yes, they, I guess they can't speak, but they're, um, they are, they, they, they do have voices. So Definitely. if you look up footage, yeah. they, they're crying for days mm. when their baby yeah. is taken away from them. Yeah. It's just that us humans, we don't want to hear it yeah. because it's such a lucrative industry, unfortunately. I think it's more that we choose to listen or not listen. Um, yes. I think all animals do have a voice um, yeah. and it's just whether we are choosing to listen or to try and understand or if we choose to remain ignorant and, and ignore what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. So le- it's almost like selective hearing mm. and the whole purpose of my thesis is I want to turn that selective hearing off. I want to hear the story of the cow um, and basically um, I want to understand the excuses and justifications that are used to defend treating cows in this way um, and whether it stacks up if the victim is human, you know, and yeah. um, I predict that it doesn't stack up, you know, it's um, both, both uh, uh, it doesn't matter what the victim is, the excuses and justifications used to defend forceful impregnant in uh, you know insemination um and taking away of babies and all of that um there's no real good excuse or justification for that yeah yeah i agree yeah that sounds like a very noble noble task to do <laughs> yeah. with your phd and um i'm afraid that we're we're almost out of time so we have to wrap up but we really thank you for joining us today <laughs> and we we look yeah, forward you. yeah we look forward to hearing more from you in the future you know your p- published published phd or more books more children's books to come maybe yes Instead. yes stay t- <laughs> stay tuned everyone thank you so much david and trevor for having me i really enjoyed being here it was actually so much fun like i i have sore cheeks from smiling so much <laughs> oh thank you you're welcome thank you yeah freedom of species is back next week We still have our online survey running to hear your feedback and ideas for our show. So please, if you have a moment, fill out our form. We'll drop the link in the show description. Yeah, that'd be great. Yep. There's there's some Freedom of Species t-shirts for sale at the 3CR front office in Fitzroy and also via the website. You can listen back to today's show as well as any other previous Freedom of Species show on the podcast archive at 3cr.org.au. Or you can search for Freedom of Species at wherever you listen to podcasts and it'll show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a Spotify playlist uh, that fe- features all the songs that we play on our show, including songs by local vegans. So you can look for that on Spotify. And if you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or email, which is freedomofspecies at gmail.com. Yeah, coming up now is an hour of music on the show Rotations. And to get us there, our last song is by a local vegan. Her name's Charlie Lane, and this is her track, Sale. This is how I show my love. Made it in my mind because Blame it on my beat. Oh,
Oh no, don't you dare come near me. Romantically, I'll taste you and I'll spit you out, but I want to keep you so badly. I am false, but I try to be true, yet I am dynamite. So they talk about free will like we have it. Then why don't I have a choice to be living with this disabilitating disease? Because I'll taste you and I'll spit you out and I'll fight you to keep chasing me because I need to be wanted, I need to be loved, I need to be needed. Everything that I wasn't because I was dynamite. But see, how can a vulnerable three-year-old develop when her needs are not being met? And how am I that 28-year-old, three-year-old vulnerable child whose needs are still not being met? And why the fuck are people still leaving me? Because I am dynamite, I am dynamite, I am dynamite. And I will never forgive him for leaving. I will never forgive him for not giving me what I needed and nothing makes that easier. And you can give me pill smokes and weed, pill smokes and weed, pill smokes and weed, but it will never help my mind rewind a lover dead in my arms or a friend murdered in a suburb close to me. No, PTSD don't you dare come near me because it is suffocating. Because now I am always a ticking time bomb to myself. To her, to him, to you. I am false, but I want so badly to be true. Help me, I'm dynamite. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.